This is the Rocky Mountain Review for Thursday, October 8th, 2020. I'm your host, Coda Babcock. And I'm Ivy Winfrey. And you're listening to KCSU Fort Collins. On today's show, I will be updating you on campus and local news, and then we'll be hearing from Jake Sherlock about student media involvement. KCSU Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum has also prepared some updates, and I'll be delivering some national news. Then, Ivy will be talking to Jason Proctor with the United Way of Larimer County about Make a Difference Day. Then Ivy will also update us on the strange things happening in the world. To conclude the show, Coda will be giving us some updates on COVID-19. Let's move right into campus and local news. Hi, y'all. My name is Ivy Winfrey, and this is your campus and local news for today. Today's local and campus news was co-written by my co-host, Coda Babcock. Thanks so much, Coda. Of Start off with campus news. According to Joe Giordano at CSU Source, Colorado State University has is offering flu shots to students, faculty, and other staff members on campus. The CSU Health Network is doing so by hosting flu shot clinics throughout this month for students, while CSU Human Resources is offering the same to faculty and staff members. It is especially important to get flu shots this year due to the risk of two serious viruses spreading the same time. By getting the flu shot, community members are helping keep hospitalization and ICU usage down in case of another coronavirus case spike. In addition to keeping space available at hospitals, getting the flu shot also prevents a person getting infected with both COVID-19 and influenza at the same time, which can increase the risk of a person's need for hospitalization. CSU's University Communications has reaffirmed that there are no current or previously uh, previous large COVID-19 outbreaks related to CSU. A story appearing in the Denver Post recently suggested there was a current outbreak of 375 students, which was false. CSU currently has a cumulative case number of 468 cases since May of this year. The inaccurate report is believed to have happened because of a recent shift in the reporting system. Larimer County Public Health and CSU are working to correct the current inaccuracies. Moving on to local news, a medical uh, facility set up in the Ranch Events Complex in Loveland to handle a projected overflow of patients from regional hospitals brought on by the COVID-19 pandemic is being taken down, according to Kevin Duggan at the Coloradoan. Colorado officials announced Tuesday that they are closing the alternative care site at the Larimer County Fairgrounds and Events Complex in Loveland, as well as a site in Grand Junction because they are not needed at this time. Five alternative care sites were established across the state in April out of concern health care systems will be overwhelmed with patients sick with or recovering from COVID-19. But the amount of people requiring hospitalization has been significantly less than expected. Mickey Trost, spokesperson for Colorado State Emergency Operations, said in a press release, quote, Deconstruction of the two sites saves the state money while ensuring we still have the necessary capacity to respond to a surge. According to Lori Hodges, director of emergency management for Larimer County, none of the facilities has seen a patient, but the ranch was used to house firefighters working on the Cameron Peak fire when the weather turned cold and snowy in September. Alternative care sites will remain open in Pueblo, Westminster, and Denver. Equipment from the ranch and Grand Junction facilities will be transferred to the Colorado Convention Center for use at the remaining sites. According to Miles Blumhardt at the Coloradoan, the Cameron Peak Fire was at 128,000 acres with 42% containment as of Wednesday morning with over a thousand people assigned to the fire. 
The Mullen Fire is at 161,000 acres with 14% containment. Cameron Peak Fire Crews plan to use helicopters to drop plastic flammable spheres above Colorado Highway 14 to ignite a fire in an unburned island in an effort to protect homes Wednesday. The drop was planned on an unburned area just west of the Colorado Parks and Wildlife Fish Hatchery. Another drop was planned for the southwest edge of the fire near Long Draw Reservoir to burn a 900-acre patch and bring the fire down the road. An incident managers said that both operations would allow firefighters a, be a better opportunity to manage the fire. Uh, manage the fire, avoidable where, uh, weather conditions, including lower wind than in recent days, was expected Wednesday to allow for drops. Jo uh, John Norton Jensen, fire planning operations trainee, said during Fighter Fire's Wednesday morning video update. Crews also continued to build lines and monitor key fire areas in, uh, in the fire's north, northwest and southern edge near the Colorado State University's mountain campus. Crews were able to secure a line around a new spot fire on the northwest side, stopping the growth of a couple of acres. Uh, that's, that's all for <laughs> the campus and local news. Thank you. There is nothing to listen to. Hold up. What time is it? It's almost five. Quick. Put it on 90.5. It's almost time for the 3.0 radio show. What's that? It's this crazy, fact-filled, genre-bending two hours of radio madness. Hey, everyone. If you like incredible music from every genre and learning interesting facts, join me, Carter Minner, next on the 3.0 radio show, where we have nothing but fine melodies and fascinating facts. Thank you for listening. It's Jonathan Gillum with Sporting News. Professional sports are underway. The NHL concludes their season with the Tampa Bay Lightning winning the Stanley Cup Finals against the Dallas Stars. The offseason is currently on and the NHL has set officially their target date for the next season is January 1st, 2021. Of course, that is tentative because we know how 2020 is. The NBA Championship is happening with Game 5 happening this Friday with the Los Angeles Lakers leading the Heat 3-2-1. The MLB playoffs are happening and currently in the division series rounds. The Denver Broncos got their first win of the season last Thursday night, beating the New York Jets. They are currently hoping to gain another win against New England as the Patriots are also having QB problems after Cam Newton tested positive for COVID-19. More breaking news, football at CSU is back. It all began when the Mountain West Wire released an article stating, 
on September 21st that the Mountain West Athletic Directors would be holding a meeting about resuming play. Well, it was confirmed, the meeting happened, and CSU football is officially back. Well, as of now. And I say of now because, like I said, it's 2020. We don't know what's going to happen. So, October 24th against New Mexico is the current news. Missing that deep dive into sports? Well, KCSU FM has articles, pre-recorded shows, podcasts, and more. And if any of that is of interest to anyone, more information can be found at our website, kcsufm.com. That's all I have for Sporting Nudes. For KCSU, I'm Jonathan Gillum, and I'll catch you next time. And we are back on the Rocky Mountain Review. That was Assistant Sports Director Jonathan Gillum. Up next, we are going to be talking with Jake Sherlock from Rocky Mountain Student Media Corporation. Here's that. Okay. All right. Would you mind introducing yourself for me? Uh, yeah. My name is uh, Jake Sherlock. I use he, him, his pronouns, and I am the Student Media Advisor at Rocky Mountain Student Media. What are the branches of Student Media? Oh, we have a lot. Uh, we're like a very big tree with lots of branches. Um we, of course, have KCSU-FM, our campus radio station. We also have CTV, Collegiate Television, the uh, campus TV station, College Avenue Magazine, the Rocky Mountain Collegian, which uh, is our oldest property dating back to 1891. Uh, we also have a delivery division, a creative uh, services division that uh, produces uh, various graphics and artwork and pages. Uh, we also have a wonderful marketing team. So if you've been down around our office lately and you've seen how great it's decorated outside the DJ booth, that's all our marketing team in action. We have an advertising team. We have student video productions, uh, which is our kind of elite uh, video arm. And then we also have OnSpec, which is our training program for video. And what am I forgetting? I'm probably for Oh, and the front desk, of course. Uh, we actually attract a lot of different business majors to the front desk to help out with things like payroll and accounting. Uh, let's see. We've also got the, I mentioned delivery. Oh, and then our, uh, board of trust, uh, our board of directors, um, is, uh, also student run for the most part. We have five openings this semester for new students, uh, who want to be on our board of directors and you would be sending policy and direction for all of Rocky Mountain student media, getting uh, great experience in the boardroom and uh, things like that. So, yeah, I, I hope I didn't leave anybody out because we have such a big team. It's uh, it's easy to forget somebody in there occasionally. So, yeah. Um, what are the benefits of getting involved with Rocky Mountain student media? experience i mean that's the number one thing you get is you get great experience so if you're looking for say you know internship credit practicum credit 
just an opportunity to hone your skills, whether that be in, you know, writing, photography, video, audio, marketing, journalism, business, um, you know, fashion merchandising, graphics, uh, graphic design. I mean, we attract majors from so many different, uh, from, we attract students from so many different majors, I should say. Uh, it's really pretty impressive. Uh, you would think that, you know, since we largely do news media here, uh, that, you know, we would be largely journalism majors, and we are, but it's actually only 40% of our people are journalism majors, and everybody else comes from different uh, different aspects of campus. So I like to think that we're in some ways, you know, a, you know, a, a, a student organization that reaches everybody. Um, I know that we have a ways to go in terms of necessarily being accessible to everybody, but it is something that we, we really strive for here. So, All right. And then uh, what positions are currently looking for more people at um, in the board of trustee or the board of directors? Sorry. Oh, yeah. And the board of directors, we actually have five openings right now um, with the board of directors. So if you wanted to sign up for that, you can go to uh, RockyMountainStudentMedia.com and click on the work for us page. Um, our webmaster should be posting everything there this afternoon uh, if he hasn't already and uh, grab the application. It's kind of a it, it's not a huge time commitment. It's usually one meeting a month. Occasionally we might have an extra one if we have something big going on that we need to talk about. Um, but it's it's a wonderful opportunity to get uh, boardroom experience and it pays a little bit of money too. there's a little bit of a stipend with it. Um, and, uh, you know, in in regular times when COVID isn't a thing, you know, we have a lot of fun meeting together. Everybody eats Subway afterwards. Uh, it's, it's really a, it's really a great time. So. All right. And then how can students get involved with other branches of student media, like the Collegian? Okay. So with the Collegian, we're almost always hiring new writers. We have an ongoing reporter training that we do monthly. And so, you know, much like, uh, you know, and, and kind of the same with College Ave. A lot of times if you're, you know, if you're looking to write for either of those publications, you can pretty much dive in any time of year and uh, we'll give you a tryout and see how you do with it. Um, editor positions are usually up for grabs in the spring. Uh, we'll be, we usually do the hiring on, say, like, you know, the editor-in-chief for both, uh, both print publications as well as the station manager for KCSU, the uh, uh, executive producer for CTV, director for uh, SVP and so on and so forth. We usually do those hires in the spring and then those students go about hiring, you know, the people on their staffs. So for instance, you know, Asher hired Yukota uh, to be the news director and um, was a great choice on my dad on her part. And uh, yeah, so that's kind of how it works. And then, you know, I would say the best time to get involved in student media, though, um, we certainly take everybody anytime, but try to get involved with us early in the semester. Um, especially for say departments like graphic design and photography and, uh, SVP for that matter too, we get, we have a lot of demand for those positions and only a limited number of seats. And so you kind of have to get in there early, uh, in order to get one of those, uh, in order to get one of those positions. So, all right. Is there anything else you want to add before we go? Um, I guess I would like to add that one of the things I am really proud uh, that we are able to do as Rocky Mountain Student Media is we are able to still financially support our students. Um, we do have a lot of volunteer positions. We do have a lot of internship positions, but we do pay, you know, a decent hourly wage of $12.90 an hour to our hourly students. 
And we're one of the few student media outlets out there that still is able to, you know, provide paid support. A lot of student media outlets at other universities are strictly on a volunteer basis or a class credit basis. And we're able to do, you know, all three of those. And so that's something that we're very proud of. Um, we work really hard uh, in the advertising department and with underwriting and with various services that we provide to the public to try to make money so that we can, you know, put that money back into our uh, into our student staff. So we're all about training and providing opportunities. And honestly, that's the thing I love most about this job. All right. Thank you so much for your time. Again, that's Jake Sherlock. Um, and we'll be right back. New Belgium Brewing is a proud supporter of Colorado State University and KCSU. Old Aggie Superior Lager is the official craft beer of Colorado State University and is a collaboration alongside CSU and New Belgium Brewing. The result is Old Aggie Superior Lager, a light lager that gives back to the university. Old Aggie is the official craft beer of Colorado State University and brewed by Ram fans. Enjoy responsibly. students. The University Center for the Arts, which houses music, theater, dance, opera, and the CSU Marching Band, produces more than 250 events per year. Student fees cover tickets to any performance at the UCA, so it's no charge for students to attend. For more information about performances and special events, or to reserve your ticket, visit csuartstickets.com. That's csuartstickets.com. And we're back on the Rocky Mountain Review. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is National News Highlights for October 8th. According to Nell Greenfield Voice and Mark Katkov at NPR, two scientists have been awarded the Chemistry Nobel Nobel Prize based on their work in genome editing research and CRISPR-Cas9. Emmanuel Charpentier and Jennifer Dudna were awarded the prize after working on a technique to cut DNA with precision to allow for specific genes to be altered. This new technique is contributing to cancer treatment and could cure some genetic diseases. So far, it has promising results in treating sickle cell disease. Dr. Rick Bright has resigned from the National Institutes of Health, according to Will Stone at NPR. Bright says he stepped down because he was, quote, sidelined from doing any further work to combat this deadly virus, end quote. He has also brought forth allegations against federal health officials that say they blocked his efforts to identify symptoms and test more individuals for the coronavirus. According to Bill Chappelle at NPR, the Federal Bureau of Investigation stopped a plot to kidnap Michigan Governor Gretchen Whitmer. Governor Whitmer says that two militia groups have been tied to a plot to kidnap her, although it's unclear what the second group she refers to is. The plot is believed to have been based on disagreements between different Michigan residents and officials related to how shutdowns and other coronavirus restrictions should be handled. Today, Governor Whitmer said, quote, We are not one another's enemy. This virus is our enemy, end quote. That's all for national news updates. You're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review on 90.5 FM. We'll be right back.
up is an interview I conducted with Jason Proctor for the United Way of Larimer County. So for our listeners, uh, so you represent uh, the United Way of Larimer County. You're working with them, right? Uh, so for our listeners who haven't heard of the United Way of Larimer County, uh, would you be able to give us like a brief overview of like uh, what they do and what your role is with them? Yeah, for sure. So the United Way of Larimer County is sort of an intermediary between nonprofit agencies in the community and um, the funding that they need from corporations and things like that. So what a gist of United Way does is act as a fundraising resource to get funds from wealthy donors, from corporations, and from other um, people in the community. And they use that funds to distribute um equitably and fairly throughout the community and kind of in opportunities that need it. Um, I'm specifically, my role is in AmeriCorps Volunteer Engagement Vista. And so I'm sort of on the edge of their organization because I technically also work for AmeriCorps. Um, AmeriCorps is a one-year program. I'm here with AmeriCorps. uh, trying to increase volunteerism and volunteer awareness in the area through this one year long volunteer program that I'm doing. Um, at the organization specifically, what I do is two main things, um, both related to volunteer engagement at the moment. And so right now I collect donations through our service to go program, which is um, where we collect different type of kits that volunteers have made and kind of distribute them to nonprofits in need. Um, these kits can, can include non-perishable food kits. They can include hygiene kits, um, feminine hygiene kits, and just anything that the nonprofits in the community ha- say they have a need for, we're trying to get donations for in the community to get to them. The second thing that I'm doing is actually coordinating um, our Make a Difference Day this year, this volunteer event that we have going on. That's a week long. Um, it's an annual day of service um, from October 19th to the 24th. And this is where a multitude of nonprofits offer a wide range of volunteer opportunities for the community to come out and come help with and anything that they need. So this year we have about 20 nonprofits participating this year, and they're offering a variety of in-person, virtual, and socially distanced volunteer opportunities in the community. Um, And basically, we're looking for volunteers to help them out, and we really appreciate that. Yeah, um, uh, yeah, uh, I I did want to talk to you a bit about uh, the Make a Difference Day. Um, So what uh, specific day or days is it on? And um, I guess, uh, do you know like any of the history behind it or like if, if is this like a new thing? Yeah, for sure. So Make a Difference a Day was originally created in the 90s um, by a newspaper organization called the USA Weekend. Um, and they did it around this whole concept of that year that it was in, I think it was 1992, uh, was a gap year and they just they tried to encourage the community by using that extra day of the year to try to give back to the community and so it kind of evolved from there of like all these local nonprofits and like ways to help out the community kind of into this global or national I would say um, day of service that many people throughout the country and that nonprofits participate in Um, basically this year it is um, 
usually obviously it's just a day make a difference day but this year obviously due to the situation with covid and whatnot we're trying to be as flexible as possible um with all the nonprofits needs and also working with um volunteer schedules um so officially it make difference day is the 19th through the 24th but we have a multitude of different volunteer projects throughout the entire month of october yeah um yeah cool uh so uh you you also mentioned your uh, like this whole thing is trying to get volunteers um and i understand that a lot of what the united way of Glamour county does is involved with volunteer work so what um what like kinds of people are you looking for when you're like uh, using these volunteer recruitment programs and events? Yeah, that's a good question. Um, right now, we are really trying to push for young people to volunteer. Um, for example, the food bank of Larimer County, um, most of their volunteers in years past have been 55 years old and above. Like that's their main volunteer group. And because of COVID, that's almost dwindled down to nothing. And so we're really trying to advocate for younger volunteers to kind of fill those voids that this pandemic has like created. Um, so we're encouraging everyone that can participate that like should participate because nonprofits are very overloaded at the moment already due to the situation. And these sort of volunteer opportunities act as an outlet that would also connect volunteers with nonprofits, but do it in a way that in a way that volunteers and nonprofits can reconnect and it helps nonprofits with their end goal. So anyone can participate. You can have groups of friends, you can have family together, give back in the community, but it's really trying to create a bonding experience around volunteerism. All right. Um, so, uh, where could our listeners get in contact with uh, uh, y'all if uh, they are interested in this sort of thing? And are there any like social media accounts you'd like to promote or anything? Yeah, for sure. Um, the way main way we're promoting this is through our new volunteer platform. Um, it's called nocovolunteers.org. Um, we launched it in, I believe, April, kind of with the intent that there was no coordinated effort between nonprofits in the area and trying to get their opportunities to the most amount of people as they can. And so this platform serves as a way to all the agencies in the area in Northern Colorado can make an agency account and put volunteer opportunities on that specific website. And so we're trying to make it a one-stop platform for all volunteers. And if they if someone wants to volunteer in the community, want them to go to this organized platform first, because that's where they're going to find the most variety of agencies, the most variety of volunteer opportunities. Um, currently, we have over 70 nonprofits in the area um, um, registered on NOCO volunteers, as well as over 2,000 volunteer or volunteers currently in the community that have signed up. So that is the main area that we're pushing um, everyone to try to get signed up and look for volunteer opportunities on nocovolunteers.org. Uh, it's been really useful for us. Just get, It is sort of like a social media platform. You can edit your profile and everything. And we're really trying to use it to help consolidate volunteer opportunities in a way that works um, and is contemporary with the situation of the times. For example, we're going to be using this um, 
platform as uh, whenever the Cameron Peak fires, whenever there's volunteer opportunities to help out with people who have been suffering from the fires, like people who have lost their homes and businesses and wildlife and things like that. We're going to use this right when it's safe to volunteer. We're going to start adding opportunities there as well. So it's really meant to be a one-stop shop for volunteers, anyone in the community. Mm -hmm. Uh, the last thing I want to ask, it, I wanted to ask, uh, is how has your uh, personal experience been working with United Way of Larimer County? It's been good. I'm actually very relatively new here. I only started in August, um, but they've been a really great partner in a way that they've helped me kind of get my foot in the door with nonprofit agencies. I've never. I come from a for, more of a science-y um, background. And so because of that, I don't have, really have experience like communicating with nonprofits and like seeing needs out in the community. I don't, I've never, I don't have a lot of experience with outreach. And so this is, they've really helped me succeed in a way to connect with others in the community in another fashion that I haven't before. Is that kind of what you were asking? Yeah, yeah. Um... I think that's everything I have. Uh, uh, Jason, thank you so much for uh, joining us today. Yeah, uh, thanks for so much for having me. Again, that was Jason Proctor with the United Way of Larimer County. You can find more information at nocovolunteers.org. Hello again. I am Ivy Winfrey, and you're listening to 90.5 KCSU Fort Collins. Sometimes we need a little bit of the weird, so here's a few weird happenings from around the world recently. According to Yareth Rosen at Reuters.com, a bear named 747 has been crowned Alaska's fattest bear. The bear, one of more than 2,200 brown bears roaming Alaska's Katmai National Park and Preserve, was voted the fattest bear by online voters participating in the park's annual Fat Bear Week. Fat Bear Week is the week in which bears in Katmai National Park begin fattening up to prepare for winter hibernation. And as a part of an education effort by park officials, they pitted 12 bears against each other in playoff-style brackets where fat bear fans vo voted for their favorites over the course of the week. Bears in Katmai can grow up to well over 1,000 pounds. The park said in their statement congratulating 70, uh, 747 for the victory, quote, This year, he really packed on the pounds, looking like he was fat enough to hibernate in July and yet continuing to eat until his belly seemed to drag along the ground by late September, end quote. According to Joe Concha at The Hill, CNN reporter Joe Johns has gone viral after his confrontation with a raccoon on the White House lawn was posted on social media. The network's senior Washington correspondent can be seen in the video being circulated, throwing what appeared to be a work bag at the animal while attempting to shoo it away. Johns was praised on social media for handling the situation. This wasn't the first time reporters have encountered raccoons in White House property, as CBS White House correspondent Paula Reed reported on September 29th that a raccoon attacked multiple crews on September 29th. This last, oh, this has been today's weird news. All right, moving, all right, moving on. I'm Coda Babcock, and this is COVID-19 updates for October 8th. Colorado State University has had 468 total cases since May, with the recent spikes starting to go back down. 
However, Larimer County has seen 42 new cases in the past 24 hours and only one day in the past two weeks with less than 15 new cases. There are currently 20 COVID-19 patients in, hosp- in the hospital and hospitalization usage is at 72%, meaning that there is some space available in case of a sudden increase. ICU utilization is a bit high at 87%, and Larimer County is currently at the cautious level, meaning that we do not currently have to have high levels of concern like other counties experiencing spikes. Larimer County has a total of nearly 3,000 cases, and the, the county's current risk score is bordering the high-risk category, but, st- but still technically within the medium-risk range. Colorado's new case rate is relatively low when compared to other other states, and cases are staying lower. The state of Colorado has nearly 75,000 cumulative COVID-19 cases. The United States has over 7.6 million cases and nearly 213,000 deaths. Cases have gone up by, by 9% in the past two weeks, and while deaths while deaths are going down overall, Tuesday there was a 6% decline over the past two weeks, and now there's only a 5% decline over the past two weeks, meaning the deaths may begin to go up again. It appears that the Midwest and South U.S. are currently experiencing some spikes as well. Information for today's segment comes from CSU's COVID recovery site, Larimer County, Colorado Department of Public Health and Environment, the CDC, the New York Times. That's all for today's COVID-19 update, and you're listening to the Rocky Mountain Review. We'll be right back. Girl, I'm feeling some college radio vibes. Oh, I got you, BB. You know that college radio is more than just the Coachella lineup, right? It's also like metal and sports and EDM and news and jazz and KCSU, where college radio is more than just college radio. And now for the weather. weather is pretty warm with our high reaching 85 degrees and our low going down to 52. Tomorrow and Saturday you can expect about the same with a high of 83 and a low of 49 on Friday with a high of 82 and a low of 50 on Saturday. Sunday will be cooling down to 73 degrees for the high and 38 for the low with a 20% chance of precipitation and winds speeding up to 15 miles per hour. Monday will cool down even more to only a high of 58 and a low of 38 and a 20% chance of rain. Tuesday will be warming up a bit with a high of 62 and a low of 39 with no chance of rain. And for Wednesday, you'll have to tune in here on 90.5 between 4 and 5 p.m. for the Rocky Mountain Review. And that's all for today. We just wanted to thank Damien Castile for our amazing theme music that's playing right now. We'd like to thank Thomas Taylor, Asher Korn, Hannah Copeland, Addison Lambert, Griffin Ham, Jonathan Gillum, Steph Keel, Ben Kruger, Ben Haney, Dixon Lawson, Peter Walk, Taylor Sandal, and the rest of the staff here at KCSU and Rocky Mountain Student Media. We couldn't do this without you. And I'd like to thank you, Coda. And I'd like to thank you, Ivy. And finally, we couldn't do this without you, dear listener. Thank you. And with that, we'll see you next time.
ಅವ್ರಿಗೆ 